Come on in, Jesus. That was Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. (laughs) All right. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I think they have it on the on the screen for us as well. First Corinthians chapter nine. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. All right. So stay with me. First Corinthians chapter nine. Paul says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to our, to right to our food and drink? Do we not have the right to be accompanied by a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brother of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who at at any time pays the expenses for doing military service? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock and does not get any of its milk? Do I say this on human authority? Does not the law also say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Or does he not speak entirely for our sake? It was indeed written for our sake, for whoever plows should plow in hope, and whoever threshes should thresh in hope of a share in the crop. If we have sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we still more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, But we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in what is sacrificed on the altar. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rites. Nor am I writing this so that they may be applied in my case. Indeed, I would rather die than that. Um, than that. No one will deprive me of my ground for boasting. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me. And woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation, I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way 
that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. I want to talk to you all today from the subject, the rights and responsibilities of ministry. Father, we thank you for allowing us again to come to your word. We thank you, Lord, for all of your word, even the difficult parts. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, continue to work in our hearts and our minds. Help us to see um, how important the gospel is and, and that it is something that should be should be proclaimed at all costs. Uh, and help us to also see that there are rights and responsibilities that come along with those uh, the, the proclamation of the gospel. And I pray that, that we all would, would take those rights and responsibilities seriously so we could never hinder the gospel. We thank you now for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The rights and responsibilities of ministry. I remember when I was first licensed as a minister, there was a guy that was two years younger than me. He was 19 and and he had also just became a minister at his church. And I remember having this conversation and 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 he said, man, I wish I could preach at your church because I'm sure y'all get a lot of money in that offering. And so we had a conversation <laughs> about uh, what is the the real reason that we should be in ministry. I, I think that we have too many people in ministry for the wrong reason, and 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 they corrupt the 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 proper rights and responsibilities that those who proclaim the gospel have. Uh, I want to switch, though, to uh, just some comments that have been made to me in, uh, since I have been pastoring these last 12 years, right, that, that kind of drive to the heart of, of well, what I want us to see today. Um, I, I, I remember someone saying to me, uh, sometimes you talk about, you know, hey, pastor, how you doing? And I say, man, son, I'm just tired. And uh, the, the person said, well, well, why are you tired? You only work two days a week. Okay. Sundays and Wednesdays. Okay. Um, I remember having a conversation one time in cell group and we were talking about, you know, sharing the responsibilities of cleaning the, the, the building. And, and, and someone said in the cell group, they said, well, pastor, shouldn't you be the one to clean the building since you get paid? I remember having a conversation, you know, we have our building fund and we're all trying to, you know, save money to, to get a building. And, and, and someone said, uh, we can get a builder faster if you just stop taking a salary. All right. Well, yeah, we could. That, that is true. We could. But who are you going to call when you need help? <laughs> I didn't say that. You know, I just. <laughs> 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 I have I have learned to bite my tongue, you know. I'm like, you know, but tell me more about that, you know. <laughs> I remember in 2012, and this is where where uh, where I wanted to go. In 2012, I decided to leave my job at CCBC and come to work full time at the church, and we had. Uh, this presented a conflict on our trustee board, okay? And uh, one person on the, on the board of trustees uh, felt that I should not take a salary from the church because that money could be used for other things. And so when we were uh, talking about it, you know, we're saying that we have all, you know, we have enough money for, for these things and, and, and the person said, 
funny. They thought it would be better if I waited until I got turn off notices for like gas and electric and things and then bring it to the church and they would pay it. And instead of them paying me a salary. Okay. <laughs> and I think that this goes to the heart of what Paul is addressing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul is addressing the fact that some in the Corinthian church had concerns or problems with financially taking care of Paul and his ministry. Apparently, they were upset with having to to fund Paul's missionary journeys in order for him to proclaim the gospel. So Paul had to explain in this text to the Corinthian church the benefits and the responsibilities of those in ministry. I want us to look at this chapter in three sections. That would be verses 1 through 14. And what we'll see is those in gospel ministry have a right to financial compensation. Verses 15 through 27, we'll see that those in gospel ministry have a responsibility to the people they serve. And then in verses 24 through 27, we'll see those in gospel ministry have a responsibility to themselves not to get disqualified. I'll read, say those again. In verses 1 through 14, those in gospel ministry have a right to financial compensation. Verses 15 through 27, those in gospel ministry have a responsibility to the people they serve. And then in verses 24 through 27, those in gospel ministry have a responsibility to themselves not to get disqualified. And you all know me. I hate uh, talking about th- um, this subject because everybody always feels that uh, when someone talks about this subject, you know, it's because they want more money. OK, um, but the beautiful thing about the upper room is if we set it up, it, it doesn't matter if someone came and donated a million dollars to the church today. I would not get an increase in my in, in anything. OK, so uh, this has nothing to do with um you know, me wanting more money, needing more money, or anything like that, right? It's, it's just, we, we doing exposition chapter by chapter is one of the chapters. We got to talk about it because it is in the word of God, okay? And I also recognize that I won't be here forever so that, you know, the next person that comes on, I want to make sure that they, uh, you know, are, are set up where they don't have to, you know, worry about their gas and electric bill getting cut off before they get some money. <laughs> right. It was So listen. Those in gospel ministry have a right to financial compensation. Listen to what Paul starts off with. Paul starts off by saying this uh, that the Corinthian church is his proof of ministry. Verse 2, he says, "If I'm not an apostle to others, at least I am to you, for you are the seal or the proof of my apostleship. Okay. Now, we know that uh, in the Corinthian church, and we'll all, we'll, we would see this in 2 Corinthians as well, that, that, that Paul's po- apostleship is being challenged. Okay. And, and Paul says that you yourselves are the proof of my ministry. You are the proof that God has called me because he has used me in order to bring you to salvation in Christ. Right. Your, your salvation, your growth, your maturity, all of these things are the proof of my ministry. Okay. And Paul goes on to say, along with that ministry, comes certain benefits. In verse 3, he uses the word rights, okay? He uses this in verses 3 through 6. He says, this is the defense to those who would examine me, okay? So anyone who wants to examine my, uh, my ministry, right, this is my defense, okay? 
do we not have the right to our food and drink? Do we not have the right to be accompanied by a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? So the apostles, Jesus's brothers, James and and um, and at least Jude that we know of, that they were all married. Peter was married. Don't I have a right to be married as well? Verse six. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Paul says here that ministry comes along with certain benefits. This word rights is trans, um, translate a, it translates a Greek word that means liberty or authority. Right? These are things that come along with the role that I have taken. We saw this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, right, where Paul is talking to, to husbands and wives, and he says that a husband and wife should not withhold the sexual rights that is due the other person, right? This is it's something that comes along with the relationship. Okay, everybody see that? Paul is trying to help them to see that it is the responsibility of the church to fund the ministry of those in gospel ministry. Now listen to how um, Paul gives illustrations with this. Paul illustrates this uh, scenario of the responsibility of the church to, to, in essence, make sure that they financially compensate their, uh, their ministers. He gives three illustrations here. He gives an illustration of soldiers, farmers, and shepherds. Soldiers, farmers, and shepherds, verses 8 through 10. Verse, I'm sorry, I wrote that wrong. S verses 7 through 10. Listen to what he says. Who at any time pays the expenses for doing military service? Now think about it. When we have people sign up for our armed services and they go to war, do they pay for themselves to go to Iraq and fight? No. They don't pay themselves for their service. They are, in turn, paid for their services. He goes on to say, Who plants a vineyard and does not eat any of its fruit? If, if you are a farmer and you plant crops, don't you expect to receive some of those crops in return? You, you would at least want to get to eat some of the crops that you that that you you have that's that's what we call a baker's dozen okay so when i when i bake a dozen of something a baker's dozen is 13 because i make one for myself okay <laughs> okay and every good cook know they have to taste the food okay that's paul's point he says or who tends a flock and does not get any of its milk what was shepherd raises a flock but doesn't get to benefit anything from that flock now, Paul goes on from illustrating this with, with regular human examples, and he shows how this is what the Scripture teaches all along. If you go back to Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, you don't have to, right, because um, Paul quotes it here, we will see this phrase. Paul says, he says, Do I say this on human authority? Does not the law also say the same? Verse 9, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4. Now, notice the example here. Some landowners were, were so cruel that what they would do is while they were using oxen to plow the field, they would put a muzzle on the ox so they would not be able to eat while they are doing the work. Okay. And in the law, it says that that is unjust, that you should unmuzzle the ox because if the ox is doing work, it should be able to eat. Okay. Now, Paul takes this example and he applies this to those in ministry. He says, is God concerned about oxen only? Or does God say this for our benefit? 
meaning that those people who are doing the work of ministry should be able to eat from their service. I want you to real quick look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Paul, again, is addressing the same subject. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Here he is giving Timothy some final rules that he wants him to follow. And again, he does the same thing. He gives the rewards or rights of ministry and he couples them with responsibilities. 1 Timothy chapter 5, look at verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, back to Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, you shall not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the laborers deserve to be paid. Never accept any accusation against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest also may stand in fear. Now, notice what he says. He gives the, the rights of ministry. He gives the responsibility of ministry. He says that those who rule well, those who are, spend their time in preaching and teaching, they should be uh, considered worthy of double honor, okay? And double honor is defined as money, okay? Now, how do I see that? Look at chapter 5, verse 3, 1 Timothy 5, 3. What's the first word? Honor widows who are really widows. If a widow has children and gr or grandchildren, they should first learn their religious duty to their own family and make some repayment to their parents for this is pleasing in God's sight. So honor is connected with financially taking care of someone. Then he goes on to say verse 17, those who rule well are worthy of double honor. Okay. So that there's a right or reward that comes with ministry. But notice what he says. Never accept an accusation against an elder except for if you have two or three witnesses. So if someone comes and accuses an, um, an elder, uh, you don't take that word unless there's two or three witnesses. But if they're found to be in sin and they don't repent, you have to rebuke them in front of everybody. There's rewards, but there's also responsibilities. So, Paul here is trying to drive home to the church its responsibility to take care of their spiritual leaders. He goes on in verse 11 to give a reflexive question. He wants them to, a reflective question, he wants them to reflect on what is right and what is wrong in this situation. Listen to the question that he asked them. He says, Verse 11, if we have sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we still more? If we have sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? Now, think about this. Okay. Paul is saying that if I have spent my time to introduce you to Jesus, right, so that you don't go to hell, if, if I'm available for you for marriage counseling and financial counseling and encouragement and running ideas past you so that whenever you have a need, I'm there to give you godly counsel, do you really think it is that big of a deal 
to make sure that I'm not distracted by my gas and electric. I'm in the dark. I can't feed my kids. <laughs> if, if I'm taking the time to take care of your spiritual needs, it is a small thing for the church to make sure that their leaders are able to do that work without distraction. It's Paul's point. Everybody see that point that Paul is making? Right. Because, again, you know, the, the funny thing, is, it is true that, you know, it, it, had I, like, okay, well, let me not, I'll just, you know, work and not take a salary so we can get a building. And then people won't be calling me like, hey, Pastor, I need help. I can't. I'm at work. He ain't never ready for nobody. He can't get nobody no time. <laughs> Right. I always call him. He got call me back. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Right. But this is the point that Paul is trying to drive home. And he's trying to drive this point home because this is God's intent all along. Paul gives confirmation of this in the Old Testament. From from the Old Testament To the New Testament, we see the same pattern, verses 12 through 14. And that pattern is that those who are doing God's work and serving God's people, they should be able to do those responsibilities without distraction. Verses 12 through 14. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. I'll come back to that. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in what is sacrificed on the altar? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living from the gospel. Now, I want you to to take my word for this. Okay, you can look these up in uh, when you go home. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. And Numbers chapter 18, verses 8 through 32. Okay, you can look those scriptures up. Saving our time, we had to be out by 12. Okay, <laughs> All right. Numbers chapter 18, verses 8 through 32. And Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Now, you can read those those passages. I want you to go home and read those passages. And, and what you will see in those passages is that the purpose of the tithe, okay, the purpose of tithing, the purpose of them bringing sacrifices to the, to the, to the temple to be sacrificed, the point of grain offerings, the pur- purpose of first fruit you know, I, I hope you don't think they brought that, that stuff to the temple for God to eat. <laughs> it was the salary for the priest. So that they could work undistracted in serving God and his people. And we see throughout Jewish history that routinely the nation did not do that. They would not bring the tithes to the storehouse, and so God had to curse them. We see that in Malachi. Now, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, because Paul also says that the Lord also says that those who serve in the gospel should make their living in the gospel. I want you to see this verse, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 7. says, after, the, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, right? 
talking about a money bag, okay? No bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, peace to this, say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. Why? For the laborer deserves to be paid. Notice he says, I need you to, to go out and do this work. Don't take any extra money, clothing, or anything like that. Go to the town that I send you to, proclaim the gospel. Those who hear you and receive you in, they will provide for you because a laborer deserves to be paid. Or as your uh, the New King James Version and King James Version says, a laborer is worthy of his hire. Okay. Uh, Paul is trying to help the Corinthian church see that they have a responsibility to take care of the needs of those in ministry. And what I want you to, to, to hear me hear me completely with every single thing that I have taught you for the last 12 years. Um, that doesn't mean a Bentley or Jets or anything like that, okay? Um, but again, it doesn't take away from the fact because some people do it wrong doesn't take away from the fact that that the, the church has a responsibility to its leaders, okay? But in addition to talking about the, the rights and rewards of ministry, Paul now goes on to say that those in gospel ministry have a responsibility to the people that they serve. Okay. Those in gospel ministry have rights that come along with ministry, but there are also responsibilities that come along with ministry. And the first responsibility is to those that you serve. We see this in verses 15 through 17. You can turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter nine verses 15 through 17 those in gospel ministry have a responsibility to those they serve and the first responsibility paul says is to proclaim the gospel for free even if that means restricting my rights notice what paul um, paul says here he says it first in verse 11, I'm sorry, in verse 12, he says, if others share this rightful claim on you, do not we still more, meaning that you all are putting, probably paying like the other apostles, right, the, the 12, you're sending money to, to take care of them, you know, if they have that right, do not we also have this right, talking about Paul and Barnabas. He says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Verse 15. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing this so that they may be applied in my case. I would rather die than that. No one will deprive me of my ground of boasting. Paul is saying that it is our responsibility to provide the gospel for free, meaning that if the resources, if the people cannot or will not provide financial support, we must do what we have to do in order to proclaim the gospel for free. Now, you know that Paul was a tent maker and he would go from from town to town. And and if if the churches did not provide the resources, Paul would work for work in order to make sure that he could still preach the gospel. He would work during the day. And then he would preach the gospel at night. So this is what Paul is saying, that it is our responsibility, if necessary, to restrict our rights so that we can still make sure we proclaim the gospel. Now, this is something that I think all pastors need to learn how to do and also teach its, um, uh, their people. Paul's concern is to make sure that he never exercises his rights 
in order to burden the people. Paul's point is that we never exercise our rights to put a burden on the people. There are some churches where the people just cannot afford to pay the pastor full time. Okay. Um, statistically speaking, um, what is it, I think almost 80% of all churches in America have 70 or less people. Okay. A lot of these churches are in, in rural communities but they just don't have the resources to do it. What does the pastor do? Beat the people up. Y'all better come up with this money. <laughs> what do you do? Okay. Right. There's some places they just cannot afford to, to do this. And then there are other churches that just will not do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I say this before I get some people. Uh, come to me routinely won't say say who they are they're going to give me a wink i know that you know pastor you need to come in here and just start you know talk about tithing you know people people just need to give more money okay now i could do that i could come in here and you know just beat you over the head and you know you're gonna be cursed with a curse you know and, and then do all of the gimmicks hold up your offering <laughs> right this is <laughs> lord i honor you with this <laughs> You know, I, I, I do, we could do all of the, we could do all the, I know shade, right? That's shade, that's shade. But, <laughs> and I guarantee you, I guarantee you that our, our, our giving would double overnight. But people would do it with, with, a, a, with a bad attitude, <laughs> And, and, and Paul said that's not the proper way to give. So, so Paul says that what we should do is make sure that we never exercise our rights in a way that will hinder the gospel. You don't want to burden people who don't have, have it to give and people who have it but are not willing to give. You should not beat them up to make them give it either because that is hindering the gospel. I remember when we uh, decided to decided to uh, go full um, full time at at church. Um, I knew I wanted to to be here because you know every, people had needs, right? We want to make sure the church is growing, and 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 so we we tried to find that that balance. You know, luckily, I mean, well, not luckily, we 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 found the balance, and you know, again, that person didn't like it, so they stepped down. You know, for unrelated reasons, but. But what we decided to do as a family was Janita went back to work, right, so that I could be here full time to take care of the church, but not be a burden on the church. Okay, so no health insurance, none of those things. Like all of that stuff comes from Janita. Okay, right, and all of the other bills too, because she makes twice as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> but but the the point is I wanted to be here for the people but not be a burden. Right. And and I could come in and be like, y'all need to give more money, y'all need to give more money, but but that would still hinder the ministry. Okay. It is our responsibility as leaders to make sure that in exercising our ministry, we don't burden the people and hinder the gospel. They weren't with me. Now, Paul says that this causes certain feelings in, uh, in, in leaders, right? Paul says that in verse 16, if I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me. Woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if not willingly, I'm entrusted with a commission. There's some people who become disgruntled because they are not able to do their ministry full time. Right. And so he says that if you're doing it willingly, right, you have a reward. But if you're disgruntled and you're upset, you still have to do it. <laughs> you just got to go to work. And then still do your ministry. He says, one, 
An obligation is laid on me. I'm obligated to do my ministry. Number two, he says, if I do not do my ministry, he says, I am cursed, right? Woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. We know this word woe is a Hebrew word for to, in Old Testament, talking about a person being cursed, right? Remember Isaiah? He sees the Lord. He says, woe is me for I'm undone. A curse be on me. I have just seen the Lord. I, I know I'm about to die. Okay. And he goes on to say, number three, that regardless of the circumstances around, uh, around our ministry, he says, we have been entrusted with a stewardship. Right? A steward is a person, is a slave that is managing someone else's resources. Slaves don't get paid, don't complain about how much they get paid. They work because this is their responsibility. Right? That's Paul's point. We have to learn how to make this balance between these rights and responsibilities. We, m those in ministry have, have rights that come along with ministry, but they have a responsibility to proclaim the gospel even if they cannot exercise those rights. Everyone is with me. Paul goes on to say that those in ministry have a responsibility to curtail their freedom in order to win the maximum number of people with the gospel. Listen to what he says in verse 19. He says, For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. Paul is saying here that although he is free, he makes himself a slave. He is free, but he makes himself a slave. So Paul is telling us it is our responsibility in gospel ministry to put our needs second and the needs of others First, Paul is telling us that we must learn how to adapt our approach. We never adapt our message. Okay, that, that, that's different. We don't change the message in order to win people, but we do change our approach. We change how we reach these people. Now, this is something that is very difficult uh, for, you know, to... In practice, it's very difficult. Okay, I'll give you, give you an, um, uh, an example, right? We were talking about this, like Seth and I and, and Antoine, we've been uh, talking about training them to be for ministers, and we were talking the other day about balance, right? And, and balance is something that we, we have to do, okay? Um, Jesus did this with the disciples, right? They were serving for, for, you know, for a long period of time, and he's like, listen, we got to go, right? We got to get out of here, okay? And it, this is something that is... is 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 difficult um, because it is true that you know my family is my first ministry okay if and I, I said this up front to everybody everybody already know if 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 it comes down to you know me losing the church or me losing my family I'm gonna have to let y'all find a new pastor okay like this is my first ministry okay that being said okay that being said it is almost impossible to find a balance, <laughs> right, between 
you know, what, 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 what to do and what not to do. Right. Um, uh, and, and so I was trying to tell them that, you know, we have balance is something that's situational. Right. Um, it, it comes in. It depends on the situation that comes up. Right. I know. If my phone is ringing at like, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, usually that's not, you know, something that's usually an emergency. <laughs> OK. You know, now. A lot of the other conversations is just like, this could wait, <laughs> right? But we have to learn how to, to find a balance, right? And, and part of the balance is making sure we have everybody doing the work, <laughs> right? So nobody's burned out. But, but Paul is trying to teach us, first, God has not called us to balance. <laughs> He's called us to win people. And what we have to learn how to do is become all things to all people so that we can win some. That means that we, we have to adapt and, 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 and adapt what we do situation by situation so that we can meet people's needs and bring them to Christ. This weekend, you all know, because y'all were looking for me. <laughs> I was out of town. Y'all ain't know, because I was running things behind the scenes, texting, hey, y'all, how's everything going? Right, y'all ain't even know. <laughs> but I was, I, in, in, in trying to help talk to them about balance and things like that, I was giving this an, an example, because this is, this is just what happens in, that, that people don't know about, right? So I was um, on vacation, Second night of vacation, I worn out. We went to Disney, and, and I walked like 20,000 steps. My feet were killing me, and I just got to the room and just like <laughs> collapsed. And about 1 o'clock in the morning, my phone starts ringing. And I'm like, I'm disoriented. I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> I'm like confused. I'm like, I know my phone is ringing like three times. I'm like, somebody is like, what is going on? So I answer the phone, and it is the, the mother of this person, I have, this guy I've been um, counseling. And and he is he is threatening to kill himself. What I do? I'm like, I'm on vacation. It's one o'clock in the morning. Can you call me back at nine o'clock? Well, I'll see y'all when I get back to Baltimore. Paul says <laughs> you have to become all things to all people so that you can save some. It's, it's situational. If it was something like, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, de I'm depressed, I'm sad, you know, I just need somebody to talk to you. Yo, can you call me at 9 o'clock? <laughs> you know, we go to sleep. We're talking in the morning. <laughs> okay. It's situational. But when people need help, you have to be available. He says, I have become all things to those who are Jews. I put myself under the law, even though I'm free from the law. I put myself under the law in order to save them. You all remember in the book of Acts, Paul was trying to to to, to he wanted to proclaim the gospel. Right. And and so the, the Jews were saying, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. You got this these Gentiles you hanging out with, you know, Timothy and Titus, you know, you, you got these people around you. I think that you are demeaning our, you know, our religion. What does Paul do? Take him and circumcise him. Paul took a Nazarite vow. Didn't cut his hair. He, he, he followed these religious practices even though he didn't have to, and even though Timothy did not have to, he did it so that he would not demean the gospel and he could proclaim the gospel to Jews. To those who are not under the law, I live as one that's not under the law because I'm not under the law. And so we see in the book of Galatians, they're out eating pork chops with all of the gen other Gentiles. And then Peter and the gang comes along and like, oh, we can't eat with them. And Peter's like, boy, you better come get one of these ham sandwiches. <laughs> better get one of these sandwiches, boy. This thing is good. Okay. 
I become all things to all people so that I can save some. Now, of course, that also means sometimes people will be like, look, you ain't got no problem. You know, let me help you out. Right. I got to tell you the long, hard truth. Okay, Right. But but the point is that it is our responsibility to make the sacrifices necessary to win people for Christ. Paul gives us one last thing here about the responsibilities in ministry. And I think that this one, this one kind of hits home the most this week. Uh, Something I've been praying about this week. Paul says in verses 24 through 27, he says those in gospel ministry have a responsibility to themselves not to get disqualified. Many of us probably have heard recently that Ravi Zacharias died. And Ravi Zacharias is internationally known for his apologetics, right? I mean, I would just listen up to Ravi Zacharias and I'd just be like, I'm just dumb. I, I just, I, I just don't, I don't think like that, <laughs> right? I mean, he would walk into, into like a whole campus with, with a room full of atheist PhDs and then just be like, boom, 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 just be blowing them away. And I'd be like, man, I want to be like that. And so recently, Ravi Zacharias died of cancer. And after he died, it came out that for years, he has been involved in what they claim is sexually assaulting women. And so now all of this, these stories are now coming out of how he would visit, you know, the massage places and, and, and all of these things are, are just coming out. And so, so his, his international ministries are now disbanding. They're just shutting down. And, and all of the work that he has put in for decades and decades of his life is now coming to nothing. And I, I mean, even just last night, just reading an article about the, his, his organization in Canada saying that they're disbanding and the organization that, that ordained him is saying that, I'm just like, I'm confused how that happens, but they're revoking his ordination after he's dead. I'm like, okay. But I'm just like, Lord, I don't ever want <laughs> to serve you all of these years only to be disqualified. Paul says, verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. You know that the number one, the number one struggle for those in ministry is hypocrisy. The number one struggle for those in ministry is to teach other people what to do, but never do it themselves. Paul is telling us here that gospel ministry takes self-sacrifice, self-denial, self-control, and self-discipline. He's telling us that we have to be in shape spiritually so that we don't get ourselves disqualified. And he could, I mean, he could have given tons of examples all throughout the Bible. Samson, (laughs) David, David became a great king. 
made all of these conquests and then he was like ah, i'm not going out to war no more y'all go out to war i'm gonna stay home and he stayed home from war and just happened to be on the roof overlooking somebody's bathtub now if he was where he belonged with the with the army <laughs> okay right he would have never got into that situation but he was relaxed spiritually just like Samson. God is using me to do all of these things. Ah, I can hang out with these women every once in a while, you know, these Philistine women. We have a responsibility not only to the people, but to ourselves, and I'll say to our families, to make sure that we are spiritually disciplining ourselves paul this word here is is, is is similar to what we call shadow boxing okay paul was like i get myself in the gym i punish my body i enslave my body i control myself so i don't do something stupid and get disqualified we can add so many thousands of people to that list year after year being stamped disqualified listen there are there are rewards and rights that come along with ministry but there's also responsibilities that come along with ministry and um you know it's it's sad that so many people um give ministry a bad name right when you think about ministry like i said 80 percent of of the churches have less than 70 people but we look at the less than five percent that's on tv (laughs) and and we think that's what church is like and 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 people are turned off like "Mm, i don't like that now do you really need that fifth jet (laughs) right and, and, and they make it bad for, for, for everyone, right? What we have to learn how to do is, is not look at those bad examples, right? And, and, and look at the people who are trying to do it right, okay? And, 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 and hopefully what we can do is, is learn that balance between the, re- the, the rewards and rights of, of ministry as well as the responsibilities of ministry. And, and as we work together, right the, the people and the leaders right we we can proclaim the gospel in such a way that people are drawn to jesus because that's the ultimate goal right that that's the ultimate goal is to draw people to jesus and help those people grow and and that's the whole point of the conversation right you know, a, a financial conversation and the r- responsibilities and balancing all of these things, right? The whole point is to draw people in and grow people up and not hinder the gospel. And and as we keep wrestling with this, sometimes we'll do good, sometimes we'll fail. All of us do, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wrestle with these things at time. We will achieve God's purpose and what Paul is trying to push us towards, and that is saving some, won't win everybody, but saving some with the truth of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see how we can develop some sort of balance in what we are are trying to uh, address here today what paul is addressing i pray lord that you would help us to see that uh, it is the church's responsibility to financially take care of those uh, who take care of them spiritually but i pray that you would help us to see that does not include you know bentleys and jets and things like that we need to learn balance in uh, in 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 how we view our leaders, we don't have to be on one extreme or the other. But I also pray, Lord, that you would teach our leaders how to have um, some form of balance 
even though that is not usually possible. Help us to see that we are supposed to sacrifice ourselves for the needs of the people. But at the same time, we have to be able to be there for our own families as well. And you, I pray that you would give us wisdom on how to balance that. I pray that you would help us all to work together as a, as a body to meet the needs of everyone in the body so that, that at least leaders can find that, that balance between the two. I pray, Lord, that you would help all of our leaders, not only here at our church, but all around the world, Lord, because many of us are being disqualified, Lord. I pray that you would help us to discipline ourselves so that we don't practice, that, that we do practice what we preach. I pray, Lord, that we would understand all of these things because the purpose of this whole conversation is to not hinder the gospel. People need to be saved. So there, there needs to be people who are dedicated, working full time to get the message of the gospel out. But we don't want people to burden um, people who don't have it or try to bully people to give money that they don't want to give. We have to maintain these balances. And, and I pray, Lord, that as we, as we, as the body of Christ worldwide tries to struggle with these concepts, I pray, Lord, that we would find some form of equilibrium, Lord, because we don't want to hinder the gospel. We want as many men, women, boys, and girls as possible to hear the gospel, to receive the gospel, and come to Christ for salvation. Lord, I ask that you forgive us because all of us, in, in some sense, have, have detracted from the message of the gospel at some point in our lives. But we thank you that you are faithful and you have said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to be faithful in all things and that the entire church would learn to become all things to all people so that we could by all means save some. We thank you for all that you have done for us, in us, and through us. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us uh, quickly...